Hi, everybody. This is your Keeper speaking. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again to A Horror Borealis, not only this week, but every other week of the year that you've done it. We are at the end of 2019, which many are calling the end of the decade proper. Uh, I guess it depends on how you count it. If this is the last year of the decade or 2020 is the last year of the decade. But either way, uh, we're so excited to be here. It's been a full year exactly since we joined the One Shot Network, and we are so, so, so grateful and thrilled with how the year has gone. We're so excited about all the people we've picked up along the way and really, really thrilled to get to keep telling this story into the next year. That having been said, this week's episode is a little bit different. It's not a continuation of the story directly. Instead, we collected questions from a bunch of our listeners and we decided to just sit around and take some time to answer them together, to talk about the things that we love about the show and where we hope it goes from here. So I hope you really enjoy it. We had a great time making it and having this discussion and I hope that comes through in the conversation. One thing to be aware of is that at the very end of the episode, um, unfortunately, the last bit of Addison's audio corrupted, and so you won't get her answers to the last question. And I'm very, very sorry because it was a great one. One of our New Year's resolutions is to have less audio mix-ups. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be able to pull through on that one. We would also love your continuing support in the new year. I know I hate asking for it and you probably hate hearing it, but by donating as little as a dollar per month to the Cryptid Keeper on Patreon, you can go ahead and catch up on the story. You don't have to wait till the next year. You can catch uh, several more episodes of the In Cold Blood arc immediately for, again, as little as a dollar per month. And if you subscribe at a higher tier, there's access to all sorts of other episodes. We are recording some more bonus episodes soon, which will feature more of our AU content where we take the same characters you know and love from Revenant and play them in a different system in a different world and just sort of blow it wide open fan fiction style. Those are a lot of fun and we're really excited to get back into making them. If you have suggestions for games you'd like us to play or uh, cons you'd like to see us at this year in 2020, please let us know. Shoot us an email or uh, get at us on Twitter. You can even just uh, tag one of us individually and let us know. I think our DMs for the show are open. So slide in there with some suggestions. We would love to hear them. We want to know how to make 2020 the best year that we can, and we will need some help figuring that out. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, you should take a chance to listen to some of the other shows on the One Shot Network. All of them are phenomenal. But if you need a specific re recommendation, um, I'd like to recommend The Arms of the Tide. Arms of the Tide is an actual play about fighting for what's right in an original, magitechnological world on the brink of catastrophe using the mutants of the night system. Join Quinn, Joe, Schnell, and John and revel in the laughs and gasp at the drama while the only things standing against the apocalypse are a robot with a fondness for stray cats, a wolf made of loving plants with a bad case of depression, and a private eye who's so done with all of this. Anyway, I won't keep you from the rest of the episode, but tune in again next week to hear the story pick back up again. Uh, Happy New Year if you recognize this as the beginning of your calendar, and thanks for being here. We really could not do this without you, and we wouldn't want to. So uh, I hope that you continue enjoying where the story goes from here, and stick around for the rest of the ride. Bye!
There we go. We're okay, all in so the here's the thing. I can do I can do a three two one beep boop, but I can't do a three two one clap. No, that's because three two one beep boop is the superior count off system. Yeah, y- you hear that, Chris? And heck, anyone who tells you different. Yeah, yeah. Heck off. This is a Chris Foster call out yeah. episode. I can I can start a recording with when I want to. Who's Chris? Yeah. Oh, Chris runs the playtest podcast. Um, oh. where Tim and I are. Well, Tim just finished. I am still playing a uh, Pokemon campaign. Yeah. Oh, yes. I. I only in, I only see Chris on on Twitter, so I I didn't know. Ah, yes, his name is rarely Chris on. Oh there, yeah, so yeah, I yeah, yeah. Actual full name. That's okay. Um. Anyway, thanks everybody for joining us this evening. No Naruto talk today. None. Thank you very much. Um. This is a special episode of A Horror Borealis that um I thought would be a lot of fun, and we all thought would be a lot of fun. I'm assuming to yes. sort of end the year with um. This episode actually will air on the 31st, and we started with One Shot Network on January 1st of this year, so I think it's a really cool like little end cap to our, our first year on the oh, network, nice. so that's been really exciting. Yeah. It's been really cool to pick up so many new listeners along the way and to share new parts of the story with people who have been here um, since we started this little project in this deep, deep pockets of Cryptid Keeper, so... Uh, thanks everybody for being here. Thank you for listening. If you have tuned into the show thus far, and thanks for the great questions you sent in. I'm really excited to dig into them. Um, I know that we had talked. Well, first of all, we just finished having like a lot of conversations off mic about the plot, which were really interesting and very cool, and I enjoyed a lot. Um, but I know that we had talked earlier this week about having some conversations, sort of just about like the theory that goes into Horror Borealis and some things that we've been thinking about. Do we want to start with that or do we want to start with audience questions and then kind of just like let the conversation go where it's going to go? Oh gosh. Yeah. Let's do the audience questions. Let's start right with that then. Um, so the first question, (laughs) which I very much enjoy, unfortunately it has nothing to do with the three of you, but, um, I am delighted (laughs) by it. That's fine. Uh, This comes to us from Michael Ellison. Thank you, Michael, who says, how does popular rock band Boston figure into the leadership of the gatekeepers? Are there any of their songs with particular occult significance? Listen, (laughs) this is not fiction. This is real life that I brought into the show. I do believe that the popular rock band Boston is entirely comprised of aliens and they know more than they're telling us. That is a real life theory that I have and have held for many years. Um, so it was really kind of an inside joke when I slid it in there. But I do believe that in um, in the lore, I won't say fiction, in the lore of the world, um, I think that the, the members of Boston really are primarily involved with sort of investigating extraterrestrial ongoings. Um, we do know that aliens exist in the world of Horror Borealis. Or so, do they? So it makes sense to me that the gatekeepers would know about that. Um, and I think that Boston is sort of chairing that division. So yeah, they're pretty high up in the membership, and that's sort of their focus. I think that most of their songs actually are uh, encoded deep space transmissions. <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's just so personally ridiculous, what I, I love it. <laughs> that's just personally what I believe, and I think it's also true in the world of the show. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> um, here's a good question to get us started with. What are you most looking forward to for the next year with the podcast? That's from Ryan, uh, who does our sound. So thanks, Ryan. Uh, Anybody want to take this one first? 
No. Also, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess it's up, to, uh, it's up to Addison. Get on Addison, it. Addison, what are you most looking oh, no. forward to for the next year with the podcast? I mean, I like getting the chance to do this in general. So I don't know if I have like specific like benchmark things I'm looking forward to. I guess I, I'm excited that we've kept this thing going as long as we have and I'm excited to keep going and see where it goes. I've said go so many times in that last sentence. <laughs> okay, oh. so maybe to rephrase it, what is your what is your favorite thing about doing this and something that you're excited to take with you into the new year? I like that we've created a space and a world where we can be really whimsical and really silly and um, invent an arcade run by a previously undisclosed sister of a main character of a main NPC and her big, big dog. Uh, and also it's provided me and I think a lot of us with a platform to sort of have kind of a safe, distant space to explore some really tough feelings. Um, it's not the same thing. I won't yeah. compare it one to one, but I had some baggage that I'm still a little bit lugging around with me around a uh, a mentor that I really liked and really trusted that did wrong by a lot of people uh, and took advantage of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so the Phil, uh, having the arc we've done with Phil and having uh, the chance to sort of, with a lot of distance and a lot of sort of obscurity around it, like narrative obscurity work through that has been really, uh, really special. Yeah, I really love what we're able to do in this space um, that has been enabled primarily through just like a lot of really open communication mm -hmm. um, in terms of exploring some of those things and like talking about stuff inside the world of the podcast that comes from some very real places in our life. But because you're able to put this sort of like layer of distance over top of it, you're able to interface with it in a way that feels a lot safer than just like mm -hmm. navigating those things alone. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really excited to see where the next year goes with a lot of that, because mm -hmm. I know that that was not necessarily the intention when we started the game. And I am just like, having gone back and listened to all the episodes up to this point, um, and I'm so glad I'm not doing the audio editing anymore. But um, when I was doing that and going through every week and just listening to like the incredible leaps and bounds that it made in the space of this year and like how far the story has come and how much it's evolved in our concept of like what we're talking about and what we're doing is really, really cool. And hearing just how much it's changed in, you know, 50 episodes, I can't imagine where it'll be next mm -hmm. year. And I'm really excited about that. It's, it's a world. We were just talking off. No, go ahead. I was going to say it's a world that's ours. It's a world that's just ours. Yeah. Yeah. And other people share uh, it. We were, I don't mean that. I more mean like <laughs> we, we made everyone else stay out. We made we made we made this. Don't look at our podcast. Don't listen to it. Don't stop. <laughs> don't you ever talk to my me or my son ever again. Don't talk to oh, me or my, my podcast ever again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, something we were just talking about off air actually is just you know, I think there are a lot of stories and a lot of games and a lot of game masters who do things very differently from me and rip to them. But I'm, <laughs> um, no, I think that unlike a lot of stories that have a, a clear vision of like where they're going and the narrative they want to tell, that's really never been me and that's never really been our game. Um, I, 
I do know things about the game that the rest of you don't know, obviously. I, I know things about the world that the rest of you don't know. I know story elements that I want to tell, and I know themes I want to explore, and I know stuff that's going on that will lead us there. But I did not start this game with a clear vision of like, this is the plot and this is the message. But I really, really love what it's become and where it's gotten. And I love that we've gotten there together and that it's become something that like we all have a hand in and something that is important to all of us because we've all put something of ourselves into figuring out what that message is. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's been nice, like, having all of these uh, different, like, subplots and everything where we can explore different parts of everyone's, like, personality and how we interact with each other and grow. And it's, it, it, I don't know, I'm, it, we've already said that we're excited to see more of that, but that is, like the whole point of this game for me so mm-hmm. yeah also on a much more mundane level i like super want to go to a con with you guys next year oh, and please. i hope we can make that happen yes i would absolutely love that so like that's a big thing that i would just like irl be very excited for in the next year of doing this podcast i think that would be super fun i'd love to do a live show yeah i have no idea what that would even look like but i do think it would be a ton of fun i don't know either I do expect full cosplay, no matter what that is. All right. <laughs> I will buy a gun and bring it. No, no. Oh my God, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. Uh, Andrew, anything you want to add, or do you want to go into a new question? Uh, I just like playing a game with my friends. Yeah. Aww. Now that we're all in like different places, except for Alex and I, obviously, it's just really nice to... Uh, to still stay in touch with, yeah. with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I really love that. I really love what this game has been for us. And no shade to any of you, like, circa two years ago, but um, I really, really personally feel like playing this game with all of you has really deepened my appreciation of our friendships and deepened, like, what those friendships are oh, and the definitely. capacity for, like, the kinds of communication we have within those relationships. Um so again, not that like I didn't consider you my friends when we started, but the level of like trust and intimacy that I feel like we have with each other now is definitely way more well developed than it was at that point. And I'm really, really grateful mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's special. Here's another great question. Um, are we going to find out more about Big Millie's adventuring career, or is she more of a nebulous Deus Ex Machina? <laughs> so, Michael, bold of you to assume I have any control over what my players do with the NPCs. <laughs> I cannot force. No matter how interesting I try to make somebody, I cannot force them to have a conversation. So, <laughs> aside from that, like you know, since since the the main PCs will never talk to anyone that uh, they don't want to. Or whatever, or just not talk to anyone or check up on anyone for any reason. <laughs> um, we we had mentioned uh, just before off mic that we were thinking about like a, a cool idea would be to uh, give us some uh, NPC playbooks and do a little adventure on that. So maybe that could be a, um, a a way to kind of explore Millie's adventures or Jilly's. That'd be really fun, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it might be fun um, just because the nature of the story means that sometimes we all get kind of emotionally exhausted. And I think it might be really fun at some point. That's my dog. Um, It might be really fun at some point to do like 
a uh, a little side story where like we we wrap up one of the main arcs and then there's like a little side adventure that for whatever reason like Siobhan and uh, Martha and Mariah are unavailable, so three totally different people have to pick up and explore whatever's happening that week. Um, so I think that'd be really fun. That would be great. Yeah, Y'all are going to lose your that. minds when you find out that Big Millie is like secretly the wrong to play book. And... Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> that would be wild. Wouldn't that be intense? I want to do this so bad. Well, maybe we can do that then. Maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll leave a, a big gap in that knowledge and we can sort of decide from there okay. um, what, what exactly that character's deal is. I know I some that. of it, but but yeah, I, I would love for that to be a, you know, I mean, all of the other most beloved NPCs are just completely created off the cuff, so. Yeah. <laughs> Feel, feels good, feels right. Oh, 100%. 100B. But I do also kind of love that we know so little about Millie that we can occasionally just be like, oh no, like what do we need to do to wrap up this mystery? So well, you know, probably that's in character for her. Is the uh, is Seems the party correct. for that is the party for that one just gonna be Millie, Jilly, and Barnold? <laughs> oh, <Barnold's> <laughs> <not> <laughs> real. How, okay. Okay. You say he's not real, but what if he is? Ooh. But he do- he has shown up on screen before. Yeah, we just didn't hear him. Yeah, talk. I'm really confused <laughs> by your sentence. Barnold isn't real. <laughs> I would love to know everybody who listens to this show, like everyone's mental image of Barnold, because I've heard some truly <laughs> wild theories. There's a movie um, I, really I know that at see. one point. Uh-huh. <laughs> At one point, we were having a discussion to the effect of Bartle just being a very intelligent border collie, so like, I'm yeah. not sure where any of this comes from or goes, but... <laughs> I was just going to bring up that there's a movie out right now that I'm, I'm trying to see this week sometime after I get most of my finals done called Daniel Isn't Real. That's like a... Oh. It's a horror, like a like a horror, a psychological horror of like this person, like it, it reckon that this guy like having these memories of like this imaginary friend from his childhood, but... Anyway, I said Barnold isn't real and didn't realize why that felt familiar until I remembered that that movie just came out. Um. What if Barnold Fight Club style is actually just Siobhan? Oh my gosh. Oh, I would love that so much. Don't put that on me. (laughs) Don't put that on me. But also, Andrew, you did create Barnold, so... He's your responsibility now. You have to take care of you. I'll I'll put him down. Oh no! (laughs) Oh my god. Oh god. Um, okay, so follow a follow-up question to that coming from uh Chris. Uh thank you, Chris. This is from Chrysanthemum, who says, I want to know everyone's favorite NPC. Mine is probably Barnold. Not anymore. When, whenever y'all talk about him and have to pause the podcast because I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> Damn, fan favorite uh, Barnold, huh? Fan favorite Barnold. Just the Barnold stands are coming mm. out of the woodwork. Well, Barnold rip, is Barnold great. Is gone. Well, no, so, he's got um, plot armor. Fan favorite. Yeah, can't kill Barnold. Yeah. Can't kill can't Barnold. Barnold. He's too important. <laughs> Disney can't rules kill, on this uh, boy. Barnold. So, everyone's favorite NPC? Oh, gosh. That is so tough. I won't be offended no matter who you choose. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're all yours. <laughs> this is a very difficult question. Mm. I mean, I, I love all of the NPCs for different reasons, and I'm sorry that this mm-hmm. is such a, a political answer, but... Um, I mean, like the sexy, cool, cool person vibe like Carson gives off is like incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoe's got a kick-ass story. 
Uh, Ben's just a sweetheart trying to live his best life. Um, like Adam is it, it just like a such rich story about just like this messed up dad who like is trying to be the best dad he can be. Um, Adam. <laughs> Adam's great. Billy's great. Barnold, obviously, such a rich backstory. <laughs> There's so much we could say about Barnold. Yeah. There really is just so, so much well. to say about Barnold. <laughs> a well that never dries. <laughs> I think if I had to choose my favorite, it would probably be Adam. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. But mm. I feel bad about it. Like choosing, choosing. I don't want like to be my. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to choose just one NPC, but like, I'm pretty sure he's like probably top of the list, up there with like Hawk and uh, and and Billy. Totally, Andrew. I know you want to say Barnold. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> we already no. made enough Barnold jokes for this question. Aww. Um, my favorite NPC. I've been thinking about this one. Oh gosh. Um I mean I love um I love Big Millie. Love Big Jelly is what I meant to say. <laughs> the the big old the big old dog. The doggo. The doggo. Great doggo. Love that doggo. Big Goral. Goral. Big Goral. Um, honestly, probably Lillian. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say Lillian is my favorite. Um, because she has, uh, already in the, uh, 50s episodes and the Summer Frights episodes, she's gone through like a lot of character growth and I, I love that for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like, she's a a great kick-ass mom. I love that. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah, she's a character with like a lot of depth already in, I mean, I say already, um, in the four or five uh, Summer Frights episodes only that we've we've seen. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, she's had a lot she's less screen had... time than a lot of other people. But... Yeah. Because, but, like, we yeah. started out and it was just like a cool sleepover. And then mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden she was just thrust into this world that is right. monsters. Like, she, she so... feels like a really flushed out character already. And I... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things about Lillian, actually, and I'm glad you brought her up, is they because, and this was not intentional on my part, so I'm not trying to say, like, oh, look at the great storytelling I did. But something <laughs> that I think is really cool about Lillian is she's the most overt link between, like, the mm. 50s and the 90s. But, yeah. like, because of that, there's so much, like, implication to everything that she does. And I loved that, like, we had a moment in Hide and Seek where Zoe basically like, says something to the effect that the reason that she, like, worked so hard on her friendship with Mariah and the reason that, like, that friendship is so important to her is because, like, when she was growing up, her mom would tell her about, like, when she was, you know, a a teenager, when she was a kid, and, like, how hanging out with the popular kids, like, never really did anything for her or, like, changed her or meant anything to her. But, like, when she started hanging out with the weirdos, like, that like fundamentally altered the course of her life. And so I think it's really neat to like have this ripple effect that you can look at and be like, that's because the way, like because of the way that these people like interacted with this one person, like 40 years ago, like now you have this entire story that's able to happen in the nineties. And like, that's such a cool thing. I love getting to see like, as we go back and forth between these episodes, like what, 
incredible like sort of channels that opens up and being able to look and see like wow okay because these three like weirdo teens like were kind to somebody 40 years ago like now you have this whole community that's thriving and it's like kind of an obscure ripple but like it's a really neat one to see even if it's not like ever explicitly laid out and said like this is going to have important consequences later like she'll remember that for later (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's neat to be able to look back at that and to draw those connections yeah. like a strange style this action will have consequences uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah right um i have a four-way tie <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> this is how i, I was narrow it down to pick because i'm torn between like addison personal favorites and like favorites mm-hmm. that mean a lot to me because of what they mean to mariah mm-hmm. so um it's uh zoe riley Adam and Hawk. Mm-hmm. I feel like Billy is a is like a we can't we can't even like bring Billy into <laughs> he's untouchable. <laughs> well, yeah, like, of course he's Billy. genuinely such a favorite that I don't think I feel like this has this question mm-hmm. has to be what are our favorites that aren't Billy? Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. But Adam and Hawk, I, I joke about Mariah having two dads a lot. Technically, she has three because she has a bio dad somewhere. Um, but. <laughs> I joke about Mariah having... She has a father. She has two dads. Um, I joke about Mariah having two dads a lot, but, like, uh, those two characters have been, like, vehicles for some of the character moments, some of my favorite character moments for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, some things that... Yeah? Oh, my roommate is also trying to record something. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get real close to my microphone and talk really quiet. This is ASMR. Greetings. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. This is ASMR. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, Adam and uh, Hawk have been instrumental in, in really important moments in her character development and um, have signified some really important moments for her. And also, I do love both of them, too, just as characters. But yeah. mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't divorce those things. And then obviously love, obviously Zoe, love Zoe, love mm-hmm. some of the recent turns we've taken with Zoe. Like, yeah, uh, people will have at this point heard, if they're hearing this, they will have heard that episode, which involved me screaming. <laughs> at <some of> <laughs> to be fair, you scream in a lot of episodes. Well, maybe, maybe they haven't. Maybe they've skipped around. Um, like mean, maybe they're not. behind, but they see like, oh, they're answering oh, okay, questions. Fair. So well, unless you want to like drop a spoiler thing at no the beginning. Spoilies. I screamed Spoil- real. No, no spoilies. I, mean, I love Riley. Riley's whole the first... story, like the recent development mm-hmm. of their story was just, like, I I never saw it coming. But then when Alex was just like, um, yeah, Riley's having a hard time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just kind of hit me very hard. But <laughs> I, Yeah. And that's because we don't check up on our on our NPCs. On our <laughs> <laughs> we don't. That was like that was the thing. That was like a multi-layered thing where I felt incredibly guilty as like oh my gosh, and then as yeah. a person because I was yeah, like, oh, too. we really didn't check on them as players. No, for a long yeah. Time. Um, I am a cruel game master. Yeah, how dare also, you make me think about feelings for honorable mentions for my girlfriends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have so many. Shout out to my gals. I have two. <laughs> I have two girlfriends. It's not even that many. That's more than that's that's <laughs> so many. It's more than the statistical <laughs> national average of girlfriends, but yeah, that's fair. Uh 
Shout out but to, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it's enough. Shout out to Rita. Shout out to Isabel. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really hard for me to pick a favorite NPC. I mean, Daisy Kennedy comes to mind. Oh my gosh, Daisy. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, like me picking a uh, a favorite NPC is is like picking a favorite child. I think that I think most people would assume that it's Adam Kennedy, and they're probably right on like a, a surface level. Like that's the character that I think we play with the most and explore the most in the fiction. And I really cherish the role that he has come to occupy in sort of the extended party. Um, and every time that he comes up in the story, I find it easiest to play as him because I, I feel like I know the most about him. Um, but I really, I really enjoy all the NPCs and perhaps unsurprisingly, it's really neat because with each of them, I get to explore a very different kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of on the one hand a bummer, like not getting to have a player character, but on the other hand, it's like I have two dozen of them. Mm-hmm. And just because of the way this particular setting works. But my favorite thing about all the NPCs, honestly, is like all the different kinds of relationships with the characters I get to put into them, you know? So like, there are some really cool uh, Mariah and Zoe moments that I get to have that are like these neat situations I get to experience with Addison, even though we're, you know, thousands of miles away. And like, that's really cool. It's neat to have like those best friend moments inside the context of this story. Or like, um, there have been some really, really awesome moments I'm trying to think when this episode will air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just say there have been some awesome moments between um, like Ben and Martha that I've really really enjoyed playing with. Even though mm-hmm. occasionally Tim just like shatters my heart on air. I'm but, so yeah, sorry. Terry. I've really enjoyed Fuck you. I'm kidding. Yeah, but I've yeah. really enjoyed. <laughs> I've really enjoyed getting to navigate like that. That kind of like sweet and strange intimacy like it's a really cool thing to explore with a friend that you trust like that's a really fun dynamic to play out on the air or like any of the really cool moments where Siobhan will actually I love Siobhan's moments with pretty much anybody but there have been some really neat like Siobhan Zoe moments that I never expected uh, can I talk about those I've never I never expected that either I totally expected like them never really to interact but Mm -hmm. I really cherish the the like i i wouldn't really even call it like a a parent child relationship right but it's very much like yeah. a there's clearly the age age difference and that plays mm-hmm. a factor i think but um it's shoot it's it's like i don't even know what i'm trying to say no, but There's, I love it. It's two characters who, because of their age and their, like, position in this community, like, are such, like, they have such vastly different lived experiences, mm-hmm. but there is something, like, inherently kind of similar about their, like, fighting spirit and just, like, their their willingness to do whatever they have to for the people yeah, they care about yeah. mm-hmm. and, like, realizing that, you know you're a forest cop and I'm, like, a punk teen and, well, not a teen, but I'm, like, a punk young adult mm-hmm. and, like... Everything that we stand for on paper should be kind of opposite, but like we really were out here looking for the same thing, and we have this like interesting respect between our like it's really yeah. really cool. I love that dynamic. I do I too. Like I do too. And yeah, so often when like I introduce an NPC, or at least at the at the outset when I was introducing NPCs, I very much. And part of this is just because I had no idea what I was doing as a game master, but I've grown a lot. I think, um, but. 
part of it was I, I very much had these ideas of like, okay, these are sort of the main NPCs for each of these characters. And for a while, it definitely started that way. But one of my favorite things is anytime my conception of an NPC gets so drastically changed because they start interacting with somebody different in a way that I never expected. Like when I introduced, you know, Adam from the get-go and he was really just supposed to be kind of like the the gruff oppositional like supervisor figure who is just kind of going to be like a barrier for you to run up against and the fact that he has become like this emotional core of this like whole story that's happening like in the sidelines is really fascinating to Wait, me so, and so you meant for adam to be like kind of a uh gruff like you like a i don't want to say an enemy but like an obstacle not an enemy, but yeah, definitely. I mean, huh. like you at the outset, you know, you were the professional playbook and we set you up right. as like the second in command of this park. And part of the nature of the professional playbook is like you're going to run into obstacles with leadership, mm-hmm. right? So like that seemed like a natural way to do it. And then um, partially because I can't have a fight with you guys to save my life. <laughs> and also because the, the more time we spent, like you guys constantly over the course of this story have – like asked questions or found moments of empathy that have totally caught me off guard. And um, I've mentioned, I've alluded to this before and I've never actually told you guys like what they are, but I have a set of like secret rules Mm -hmm. that sort of guides the way that I run this world. And um, the, the very first of those rules is basically that like, I decided probably in about like the second arc that I wanted this to be the case where I instituted a standing rule for myself that like, moments of emotional vulnerability would always be rewarded. That's like the number one rule of a horror borealis. Um, So I'm kind of like bringing down the curtain here a little bit and letting you see how that works. But basically what I decided was that I never, because of the nature of the story we were playing and the kinds of horror I knew at that point, we kind of were going to start exploring. I never wanted to create a situation where I felt like I had tricked you into being vulnerable and then that ended really badly because even on like a subconscious level, I didn't want to create a punishment for that. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted it to be a world where, despite all of the horrible things that might be happening around you, anytime you reached out to somebody, that would be a, a net positive. So that led to a lot of moments where you guys would totally catch me off guard and, like, you would, uh, you know ask somebody something that I wasn't expecting and it would lead to a whole different side of them or like it would spark a relationship that I totally didn't anticipate. Like I had no idea that like Adam and Mariah were going to become best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was totally unexpected, but I love and I cherish that relationship so much. It's so cool. I know you can be friends with your dad, with one of your dads (laughs) when you have enough of them. (laughs) I also say like, no, I, I mean, I, Addison Peacock am friends with my dad. So that's fine. It's just, I'm also friends with your dad. (laughs) 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 I think I've met your dad once. Yeah. Same. You really only met my dad once. I think so. I don't know, but he's great. Um, but anyway, so like vis-a-vis NPCs. Yeah. I, I, I love everything we get to explore with the NPCs. I am really grateful that we have a setting that allows us to do that and set up a lot of those meaningful continuing relationships. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on another converse or another question that sort of follows up on that is from other Chris, um, who says, how much discussion went into the romantic subplots between the PCs and the NPCs and what were they like? I love that question. Yeah. Um, hmm. And, I, if, if, um, 
I guess this would be primarily for Tim or for Addison, if either of you want to speak about yeah. that. Um, I'm going to nope out. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Um, although, um, there, I mean, there is a conversation that you and I could have about this. Okay. Uh-oh. Baby, you want to talk but- about our relationship? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love the communication that we get to have about the game. And I... Um, I don't know. It's been kind of different, actually, with each of you. Like, with Addison, some of the stuff that's happened on screen has been very much kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision, um, where, like, we have a moment, and then it goes somewhere, and then there's, like, a dynamic, and then Addison is like, they're sleeping together. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. No, I think it's great. Um, And whereas, like, Tim, I know when you and I, like, decided we wanted to start having the subplot, like, that was a lot more off-screen like contemplation we we talk about it a lot more yeah and i don't think either one of those is bad but um i don't want to commandeer the whole conversation no like um the reason that i feel more comfortable with like uh figuring out uh i guess where the where everything is going is because i don't feel as comfortable improvising um like Mm -hmm. making decisions on the spot um so spending some time outside of the game, like thinking about how things could progress is like partly my way of being sure that I can be in the moment when we do record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also making sure that like, you know what I'm thinking so that you can kind of plan around that. Like, I, right. I think that's important. Um, so that we don't just jump into something and then make a whole bunch of hasty and uh, probably some bad decisions. Um, but trying to figure out what works in these situations and like what these characters want and how they're going to react, uh, at least for me, that's very helpful. Yeah, and I also think it's kind of just a difference in like the way that each of you approaches the game in general. And I, I try to be very mindful of that, where, like for example... Um, I know, like, I love playing with all of you because there are such different, like, things I can do with each of you that always lend to, like, really, really cool moments. Like, I know that with Addison, I can pretty much say to her, like, hey, are you okay if, like, I throw you kind of a curveball today? And she'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Or, like, no, not today. I'm not feeling it. And if she's game, like, I'll pitch her something and she will absolutely, like, spin a scene out of it that blows my mind. Mm. Like, it's great. And I love that, like... Tim, when we, like, you and I have sometimes really, like, long and really cool, like, side conversations where you'll, like, message me in the middle of the day and be like, hey, I was thinking about this thing, and I think this would be a really cool addition to the story. And without fail, I'm like, yeah, you're completely right. That would be awesome. Like, how can we make this happen? And we end up having these really cool conversations about, like, okay, I think this would be a cool point to hit. I think this would be a cool point to hit. I think this would be a cool point to hit. Yeah. I like having these options. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Um, But vis-a-vis, like, the... Oh, and I'm sorry. I don't want to leave Andrew out of the conversation. Andrew's amazing. I like you, Andrew. <laughs> um, and a really cool thing about playing with you, Andrew, is that, like, it's so funny to me every time you mention that you feel like you don't know what you're doing with your character because consistently you have, like, unbelievably strong character choices. Yeah. Like, I know... Aww. That whenever I, like, end up with a Siobhan scene, you're going to, like, throw in some montage or, like, make some specific, <laughs> like, dialogue choice that's going to, like, just absolutely 
knock me off my feet. It's so freaking funny just, every time, and love, it kills me. I just love montages. <laughs> I know, they're great. Um, but vis-a-vis, like, the nature of the romantic relationships, too, um, I think the kinds of relationships that we've built between, like, Mariah and her love interests and um, Martha and her love interest have been kind of drastically different. A lot of, like, Mariah's relationships happen sort of in the margins or, like, in between stories. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of your scenes with Isabella are on screen, but a lot of the stuff with Mm -hmm. Rita is just kind of, like, this is a part of Mariah's life and we know that it's important to her and we know that it's happening. But, like, she's got other stuff to do, too. She's a career Mm -hmm. woman. Well, Um, yeah, because Rita... I guess she plays, aside from, like, the one time she played into the Tulpa one, she plays a mm-hmm. lot less into the, <clears throat> into the like, grand, like, into the yeah. mysteries and stuff. So this is, like, that goes over there. Uh-huh. And also, I think a really cool part of Mariah's story is knowing that, like, I don't know, I, I find it personally very, like, delightful to know that Mariah is somebody who has been through, like, and is unpacking a lot of really interesting difficulties with regards to personal relationships. But I really love knowing that she just like has this part of her life that she's like, yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. And like, it's good. And it's good for me. And I love it. And we're healthy. And it's a great. <laughs> and it's like, cool. Awesome. Okay, uh, great. I love that that's not an issue. Like we can we can talk about Ooh, other I'm stuff. <laughs> and that's cool. Um, whereas like, with the kind of dynamic that we've had with Martha and Ben on screen, it's been a lot more like, visible it's been a lot more like let's have a scene about this or like let's explore this thing and a lot of that has been very like revealing of martha's character and it's been a chance to explore this side of her that like we don't get with a lot of other personal reactions because martha's not somebody who has a lot of like interpersonal reactions so when we have the chance to do one it's nice (laughs) yeah yeah and like Um, and they've been a lot more structured i think yeah and it's been a, a a big part of her character growth is through the uh the like complications of having a relationship um especially mm-hmm, yeah. like with her past and probably not ever being in a relationship yeah or ever really being super close with anyone so yeah definitely so yeah i mean i think as as a keeper i think it's important to know your players i think it's important to know your characters and i think it's important to know what you want out of the scenes. Um, Like, I know, I think personally that, like, um, sort of choreographed romance can be very important. I think you need to know what you're getting into when you're creating, like, an emotional space, especially if it's going to be a space that's, like, a little bit vulnerable for everybody. You need to talk about it beforehand. It's just that, like, the level of what that conversation needs to be might vary between people. And then, you know, there's also an added element of, like, the actual IRL people that you're playing with. Like, I feel comfortable doing these scenes because I feel comfortable with all of you, but there are definitely tables I would sit down at where I'm like, I'm not going to run romance scenes like in this game because I I don't know where that's going to go and that might be kind of weird, but I'm a big proponent of just having those conversations in advance. And if you're not comfortable having a conversation with somebody about whether or not your characters are going to flirt, then like you shouldn't be having that scene. (laughs) No, totally. And I will also say, like, um, just from the tippy top to, like, one of the reasons some of the romantic stuff came up with Mariah is because I knew from her conception, like, from her earliest development, like, my conspiracy theorist uh, librarian was never not going to date women. Right. <laughs> that was never not. <laughs> there are lots yeah. of, like, elements about her that have unfolded as the story's gone on, but that was, like, early part of her conception. 
And that's another reason, honestly, why I kind of love, and this is getting more into the conversation we were having off screen the other day, um, is I really love how much of a non-issue that can be sometimes. Like Mariah's girlfriends can show up, they can have like a really sweet moment or like a cool conversation. Um, and then like, that just is what it is. It's just treated with the same like essentiality that any other interaction would be. And it's just like, I, it's just a normal and accepted part of Mariah's life. And the people that love Mariah know that. And like the people of the town know that. And like, everybody's cool with that. It isn't something that has to be like a big deal. And it doesn't have to be part of like a tragic arc for her. Like, <laughs> she's got plenty of other trauma. We don't need more. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't need to be one of them. Yeah. Do we want another question? Yeah. Well, did you want to talk about anything with... You said we could go into something here. That's true, yeah. And there's a whole lot of... I'm just interested to know what you wanted to talk about. Well, well, no, I was just going to say that, like, at first glance, I was like, we haven't really had, like, a romantic subplot between two characters that we have. But we kind of have, just, like, not in the 90s storyline. Yeah, yeah. We've had Um, Yeah, they're... Lillian. Yeah, 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 with Howie and Lillian. Um, Okay. And that's been been kind of fun. And I really enjoyed that. Um, that, I don't know, we, I mean, we have had conversations about that. It hasn't been as, like, structured and, like, point by point as the conversations I've had mm-hmm. with Tim. Um, but I would say that those conversations primarily go to the effect of, like, hey, this thing occurred to me. Like, how do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. Cool. And then we, like, talk a little bit about it and, like, ex- throw some ideas back and forth. Um, for the most part, uh, Andrew and I, when we have scenes together, we don't, structure them super heavily it's much more like hey i want to do a scene with this thing or andrew will say like i want siobhan to kick some ass and i'm like cool we can make that happen i always want that (laughs) (laughs) we always want siobhan to kick some everybody always wants siobhan Mm -hmm. to kick some ass is what she's great at uh not that she isn't great at other stuff too i don't mean to imply that she's not great at much else (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she's really good at bowling oh yeah Mm. no she's not is she not? No, she thinks she is. She is. <laughs> she loves bowling, but she is not. She is not. Good oh no! I'm like super uh, interested yeah. to see where like uh, where Howie's and um, Lillian's relationship is now. Like mm. how that is something we've it. actually talked yes, a bit more about. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I'm really interested about, like getting into. I'm excited for that, too. Yeah. I like that story. And there's a lot that I don't know about where it's going to go. And I'm excited to find that out, too. Yeah. Uh, next question? Yeah. Oh, there was a follow-up question to that, which was, um, when is Big Billy going to get to smooch? <laughs> <laughs> hopefully soon. Uh, the answer to that is hopefully soon. And also, uh, as soon as the players decide they want to pay attention to the NBCs again. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> you're fine i mean that's the thing that's like interesting about this story is at any given moment i know pretty much exactly what the npcs are up to um but we don't always focus on it and it's not about them i i don't want to get into like doing an omniscient story where like i do a lot of scenes between myself like the only time that comes up is when it's relevant to the players and what they're experiencing i want this very much to be a story about the people it's a story about and i want them to be centric to it and of course like the people they love and care about have things going on in their own lives and i kind of like that we only ever like interface with that as like players pop into scenes and things happen i think it's kind of neat um but that having been said yes i know a lot of people are very very invested in this ship and i'm not opposed to it i just we i'm not going to divert from the main story in order to make it happen so Mm. yeah maybe it's already happening and we just haven't uh, caught a glimpse of it 
Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. But soon, he deserves it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, where do the characters see themselves in five years? PCs and NPCs. That comes to us from Kenzo. Thanks, Mackenzie. Oh, gosh. This is something that me, Tim, has a lot of trouble with just like in my own life. So trying to think about another person, <laughs> what they would want for themselves in five years is a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and I honestly don't know if Martha would even know what she's in for. Um, because like so much has changed that like, I mean, uh like she could be in Revenant for the rest of her life. She could go other mm-hmm. places. Like I, I honestly have no clue what she's thinking and I don't know that she does either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard too to like answer this question from the perspective of anyone except like us who are removed from the story and know that like, well, realistically, like yeah. that's going to depend on where these arcs go. But like mm-hmm. as characters who don't know, like, ah, well, there are several arcs before that would ever happen. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a little different. Um, let me see. I know that. Well, I can I can say that like I know that Martha wants to uh, improve herself. Like she's had a lot of uh, stuff go down that like. Um, she realizes that she's not super okay. Um, mm-hmm. so like, I know that eventually she wants to get to a point where she doesn't have to worry about that. Um, where do the characters see themselves in five years? In therapy. In Next therapy. Question. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think having something where she feels comfortable instead of just like a, um, uh, ticking time bomb the whole time mm-hmm. uh, is something I that she's that looking for forward to. Yeah. <laughs> I want that for her too, as much as it may seem like I don't, but <laughs> <laughs> it's got to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Does it? It does. Okay. Yeah. Because this is a horror game. Yeah, that's true. But it's a cathartic horror game. Yeah. It will get better. It just does have to get worse first. <laughs> it's required. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's where I think uh, Martha is uh, trying to head. That's what her goals are. I feel like this is an interesting question for Siobhan yeah. in light of recent events. Because like I feel like at one point in time, the answer to that would have been like, you know, a, a job promotion, but like now that's kind of happened and well, yeah, that's the whole thing. That's exactly what I was just considering. Five years ago, if you had asked her where she would want to be in five years, she would have said right where she is now. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a director of a park, I think in five years, she wants to kind of have her, have her pick of who then is going to um, replace her. Oh, that's such an interesting answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. Because she, as much as she loves working up in Alaska, and she's been there already for eight years, you know, mm-hmm. in another five years, that's going to be 13 years. I can do math. Um, that's a long time for, for her to be in one place. She's traveled traveled around a lot, and I think that in five years she will be 
probably looking for another relocation. Hmm. Hmm. Dang. Mm -hmm. That's such a wild thing to think about, isn't it? It is. It really is. It really is. What about Mariah? That's the thing, right? I can't imagine she thinks that far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Owning a second library and having another two girlfriends. (laughs) Actually, that's a little bit dark, but I think that because she's kind of always lived with her nose in kind of scary places, especially... Like, especially with recent revelations and all the stuff she's, like, come to realize is real, I think she probably, one of the reasons she doesn't plan super far ahead is she's like, I might not be here. So what's the, why would I want to waste time on that? She's very much about living in the moment right now, my girl is. I super get that. Um, Sort of ping-ponging off of that, I think, like, this is darkly optimistic, as weird as that is to say. And so I'm sorry if it's a little bit of a buzzkill, but I think that um, specifically for, like, Adam in terms of where he wants to be in five years, like, for the first time in maybe quite a long time, the answer is just, like, around. No. Hmm. Which is, like, sad, but I, I think that that's an important thing, right? Is that, like, he's a guy who for a long time has worked in this job that is very much like, okay, I'm going to go to work today. I Hopefully I'll be back, you know? And so the idea of being in a position now where like, one, he is at least temporarily, possibly permanently retired and like is starting to actively form more like meaningful relationships in the community and like has other things going on and like is starting to sort of figure out what his life looks like without that variable in it. Like, that's kind of an interesting place to be for him. And I think, you know, probably for similar reasons to Mariah for a long time, hasn't really looked beyond like, okay, you know, I have to be here next weekend when Daisy gets here, but beyond that, like, I don't know. Um, So I think that like, yeah, you know, looking at the idea of five years and being like, oh, I I actually want to think about five years from now is like kind of a nice development. Yeah. I love that. For everybody else, I'm just kind of trying to think like, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, I'm sure there are people in Revenant who like want to get out of this small town, but a lot of the people in Revenant, like there's not a lot of room for upward mobility. (laughs) Um, And there's, you know, if you leave, you're kind of leaving behind everything. So I'm not sure. I think probably like, I think probably when Ben started his job, he didn't see himself staying in Alaska permanently. Um, but I don't know where he's at right now. What was his, uh, of- what was Ben's goal? Like, I assume he went to school and then he applied for like internships or something and maybe ended up at, uh, in Revenant for that and then stuck around. I don't remember his, uh, his whole story, but like, what was his, uh, his he's goal? He's from Seattle. He went to school for like biology and like outdoor you know, environmental science, um, and then, like, ended up in this position here at this park. I think he saw himself, honestly, just, like, continuing to work for the park service. Because once you start that job, there's really not a lot of going back. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think he sort of saw it as, like, okay, you know, well, I don't necessarily want to be above the Arctic Circle. But, like, I'll take this job, even though I don't know anybody up there. Because it's a great opportunity and, like, a cool ecosystem and, like, a lot of stuff to learn. And then maybe I'll, like, apply for other jobs in other parks. Um but, you know, I think like most people who come to Revenant, there is a certain element of figuring out, like, do I want to not be in this place? Yeah. Because, like, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. 
Although I don't know if the people have listened to uh, part one of this arc yet, they may <laughs> he may <laughs> be thinking a little bit differently. <laughs> oh, next question. Yes, please. Let's see. Uh, without spoiling anything, Bailey Hansen asks, what are some possible cryptids or monsters you'd like to bring into play in the future? Are there any that y'all are hoping or excited for in particular? I would, I, I want to go first if that's okay. Yeah, do it. I would love to do like a Halloween um, oh. zombie episode. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. I would like inside really enjoy my that. my brain? Are you inside uh, my yes. brain? I was just going to say zombies. Amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I, both, I thought zombies were off limits for both of you. Oh, I'm very scared of them, but that doesn't make them off limits. <laughs> oh, exactly, because now I get to take them. I get yeah, to I'm take them on. I'm not scared of them in the way that I'm scared of like... Oh, I was going to um, say, I thought after I did spiders and after I did parasites, I like needed to stay away from your things for a good long uh, time. Parasites are way worse for me than zombies because I believe, par- well, because I know parasites to be real. <laughs> so, so Alex, yeah, I'm fine you did, if you bring in zombies. You did mention that, uh, or you did point out that there is some uh, some big magic for resurrection. Yeah? That, there could be an oopsie. Oh my god, you want somebody you know to become a zombie? No, I'm just saying there could somebody be an oopsie and a maybe zombie? a whole maybe there's a whole <laughs> bunch of resurrections. <laughs> Riley gets really into necromancy. Oh <laughs> just, <laughs> maybe it's Stevie Nicks the Dad. maybe Stevie Nicks the uh, <laughs> Addison's character. Alone. <laughs> oh my god. Did you just say Addison's character like it's not Mariah? <laughs> No, 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 Stevie oh. Nicks, your your D and D character, your your oh. priest, or that like oh man, would, forever ago, God. when she just this necromantic, yeah, <laughs> maybe Stevie just Those shows were up. The days. About that. Uh, Tim, what are some monsters you'd like to see? Some cryptids or oh, monsters gosh. you'd like to, to bring into play? Um, I don't know. Um, uh. Uh, come come back to me. <laughs> uh, none of these are spoilers because I haven't planned beyond the current arc yet. I have not planned the next monster. Um, I was really excited for this one, so I, I hope it continues to go as awesomely as it has been so far. I've been having a really good time with it. Yeah, I feel like there's um, going to be a whole lot of nuance that we have to deal with. and There is, yeah. and there's some cool lore oh, I came yeah, up with some... that you guys have not tapped <sighs> into yet. <sighs> you know, whenever you, do, whenever you do a monster that's been done a million times before, um, I always... I like to try to put like a little bit of a spin on it and figure out like, okay, how can I make this fit into the world in a way that's like a little bit unexpected and kind of interesting? Yeah. And um, particularly like... And I know I've said this before, but, like, when when Andrew brought werewolves into this world and, like, some of the things that he just, like, just came up with and decided on um, really sort of set the tone for the way I wanted to start thinking about, like, other possible monster identities in this game. Bear is being noisy. <laughs> hey, baby. Can you not do that? Thanks, buddy. Anyway, so just trying to, like, take monster ideas that are kind of classic and kind of, like played out, but then how can I like take them and, and make them work in a way that serves a story element and provides some interesting exploration. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for where this monster goes and I hope yeah. you all like it a lot. But in terms of other monsters to do, 
I want to do something with ghosts because yeah, I, I was going to say like, that. Yeah, you you have this power that lets you see like beyond the spectral veil, and that just was like not a part of my concept when I started this game. So I have not come up yet with a way to incorporate it into the world. Also, and then the one time um, I tried yep. to do a ghost, it did not. So I ruined it. I promise I won't just banish this ghost if we ever find one. Um, anyway, so I want to figure out a way to do ghosts and do them in a way that's, like, cool and interesting and different, because, again, you have that, like, whole-ass power now, and I have not, <laughs> you've tried several times to be like, yeah. is there maybe a ghost here I can no. see? And I'm just like, no, sorry. No ghosts um, for you. So I think ghosts would be really cool. I want to do another thing that's kind of like complicated and weird and interesting like the um like the magic fungus was cuz mm. that i really enjoyed designing that threat and i thought it was like i liked the idea of something that is not necessarily intentionally malicious but still causes a lot of problems mm. um but we've also done a lot of sort of more like passive threats and i i I want to give you guys more chance to like just like you know kick some monster ass for a while. So, yeah. I think I, I think um, something I, that could be cool and would offer some kind of like um, uh, complicated aspect like you're looking for is like maybe like some type of trickster character that kind of just messes with stuff. I don't know. That seems like you know, a more. It's fun... also so funny. It's also so funny because I never know when, like. Sometimes I'll I'll develop something and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make this one super complicated and hard to figure out. And then you guys get there and you're just like, <laughs> banish it I don't to the spirit realm. I don't even know what I'm realm. doing. Like, what are we gonna do? And then and you know, other times I'll be like, oh, this is gonna be a really fun and complicated monster. Like with the tulpa, I had this whole thing planned out about how I was gonna like lay this red herring and you were all gonna think it was a slime monster because we'd just done the slime monster. And then like <laughs> the more like the longer it took, the more the monster was going to like change every time you tried to interact with it and you weren't going to be able to like get a read on what it was and then like straight up we go into the literal first episode and siobhan of all people is like oh it's a talpa and i'm like are you freaking kidding me like i had this whole monster design in mind where i was going to like have it be this game of telephone and like whatever you guys accidentally said mm, like was just was going to become be true about the monster so and so you were going to have this hard time figuring out like is the monster like changing to meet what we're saying or like we like what's happening here here's um, um here's something that I, I feel really bad about um hmm. <clears throat> that was definitely andrew and <laughs> siobhan would would have just thought oh yeah sure it's a slime monster i was not playing to the character and i apologize <laughs> no you're totally fine it was it hilarious though it, it it still ended up being a really great arc that i had so much fun with um and it was a really cool lesson like all of those early arcs especially were really great lessons for me as a game master because again i had no idea what i was doing um horror borealis is really like the first time i've ever aside from one very short-lived D experiment that was a complete failure i feel um, like that was partially chad's fault though oh it was 100 percent your oh, fault oh thank Tim. you thank you thank you <laughs> and me and my terrible uh, wizard no, I'm boy kidding. no it was me like not being a good fit for the system like i i, I D and i are not friends um <laughs> but 
Monster of the Week has been much more forgiving and much more just like geared toward the kind of thing I wanted to do. It was a mistake to go into one, like session one of a D&D campaign and be like, I want to create an entirely different set of lore and like this very complicated through line and this like plot that's going to like be an immersive world. Like I created an open world game in D&D, a game I had never run before with zero experience GMing and expected that to go well. <laughs> so that was on me. That was not on Chad. Um, but anyway, the Tulpa arc was a really cool thing, and it was like a very neat learning experience for me because it was like, oh, great. So like, how do I go about the challenge of like creating something that's new and different and interesting for my players um, while also acknowledging that my players um, either make with me or listen to a podcast where I talk about everything that I do know about <laughs> monsters, <laughs> but also like create something that we can all collaboratively like go in on together to make a story and like how can I make it interesting for everybody while still making it easy to follow while still like, anyway what I eventually learned is like I just need to plan less mm -hmm. and uh that's been very rewarding so monsters that are like kind of interesting and innovative and like evolve in some way are fascinating to me um, but I, I also am looking forward to, for a little bit at least, doing some monsters that are just, like, really straightforward, where we can just, like, have some fun, let loose a little bit, and, um, just, you know, kick some ass, do some more fights. Can we do a Groundhog Day? Can we do a Groundhog Day? Yeah. Like an 11th hour thing, yeah. where there's, like, a whole... Can I do a Russian doll? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, maybe. We can, we can look at that. Yeah. Let's do it. I want to do something Mariah with... and Nadia would be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Something with time loops. I am writing on this post-it note. I hope I remember what that means later. Well, we all know that Phil, out in the forest, his first name is Puxtatony. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> if that was the reveal? <laughs> he was a literal groundhog this whole time. Oh, anyway. No. Uh, no. <laughs> great question. Uh, we have, let me see, getting a, a little bit long here. Do you want to do, like, maybe two more? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds Maybe good. Maybe two more questions. Um, here's one that I really like, which I don't think we've done yet. Haley Venus asks, what aspects of your characters do you feel you could most relate to? Uh, uh, de depression? Social anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the big mood for Horror Borealis, right? It's like, what do you feel you can most relate to? Um, well, they're queer and they have mental illness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... But no, there's like, there's a lot of uh, uh, things that, and we, we kind of touched on this earlier that like, this is a way for us to explore with that kind of uh, safe space, distanced uh, setup where we can explore mm -hmm. these emotions and like these situations. Um, and I, I guess like, cause I, tend to pull in things that have happened or things that I've uh, dealt with in the real world into mm -hmm. uh, into Martha and just like display them in different ways but they're still like the same situation and then try to deal with them like see how she would deal with them to kind of give me another perspective which is I don't know it's neat it is neat. It's like a cathartic way to work through things, you yeah. know, and sometimes to be like, you know, maybe in real life, I'm not 
like brave enough to have this conversation or to make this choice yet, but I can make it here, like in a space with like people that I trust and see how it plays out. Yeah, and, like, definitely. Maybe that will, you know, maybe that will help me out. Um, aside from depression, like what about Martha? Do you find most relatable? <laughs> um, because we all out here relating with Martha. <laughs> uh, the the punching people. Uh, no. Yeah. No, I have not punched a single person in my life. Apart from sparring and karate, that was fun. There is that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, she's a very quiet person who tends to think more and uh, absorb what's going around, like in, uh, like going on around her in the space. So, like in conversations, she usually doesn't talk a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I am too. Um, I would much rather listen and think about the situation than, uh, I guess, put in my own uh, things before thinking about everything else. I I don't know. It's, yeah, if that makes any type of sense. No, totally. I I absolutely agree. Um, I think that learning how to talk to Martha has been a huge help in, like, learning how to have really interesting and cool and thoughtful conversations with Tim. (laughs) I'm glad for that. Um, Mariah is in a lot of ways cooler than I will ever be. <laughs> oh. That's okay. It's like a different, she's just a very different kind of person than I am in terms of the way she interacts with things and responds to people. And, uh, she's very brash in a way that I really admire mm-hmm. as someone who is desperate for people to like me, um, who often like has a history of kind of destroying myself for the approval of others having a character that is like especially earlier on in her arc she's softened on on the edges a little bit but still like if you're fucking up and if you're like if you're being terrible and if she thinks you're a bad person you will she will tell you (laughs) and i enjoy that about her but we do have like interests and things that we care about in common like I mean, I started the Cryptid Keeper with Alex for a reason, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. love and thrive in spaces of, like, spaces of, like, um, like, dubious truth and, like, looking for answers and, like, I want to believe in stuff, like, Mulder style. I want to believe in, like, aliens and ghosts and all that stuff. And so there's that I I love. And also, honestly, just... um, I, I I do definitely I, I I process it very differently. I am from like a theatrical background, and I do all like I have these other like very uh, different traits. But Mariah and I both share this kind of um, thing we're both growing out of, which is just like this oppressive fear of being known and being truly seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this like aversion to true vulnerability, not performative vulnerability. Um, that's more of a dig at myself than it is at her. She doesn't do performative vulnerability, but, uh, yeah. Um, letting people truly know you, truly see you. We're both working on that. And I mentioned we have some shared trauma, um, like similar traumas, (laughs) but like, Mm -hmm. and then on, on a lighter note, honestly, just like when I was a kid, I thought I might become a librarian. I decided I ended up going to different path and I don't particularly feel inclined to pursue the amount of school that in the specific field that you need to be a librarian, but I love libraries. I grew up in them. They were very special, safe spaces for me. So um, just that too. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I guess for me and Siobhan, um oh, goodness. I don't I don't know where to where to really begin with this, I guess. Um like her loyalty to her friends, I guess. I don't know. That seems kind of self serving. Um, to say like I am, I am so good at friendship. But you are. But, oh, thank you. But um, I think just how much she, you, how much she cares for for the people around here, around her, um, who you know she, she just loves them, and I don't think she is afraid to let them know that. And part of me says like. Ooh, no, vulnerability. But then I guess I kind of aspire to be that, to be the kind of person who's like, no, I I love my friends and I don't want them to ever doubt that. So I love I guess that. That's yeah. Why. yeah. I love that Siobhan's <laughs> I love that Siobhan's specific brand of vulnerability too is like something that on the surface doesn't look like vulnerability because there's such a matter of factness to her that like she's not typically vulnerable and that she's not like, you know, coming to you and like saying like, hey, can we talk about something? And like, you don't feel like she's going to get her feelings hurt. Like, it's very much this just idea of like, well, yes, obviously I love you. Like, can we go to the diner now? Because we have things to do. Yeah. It's nice. She's very direct. And I love she that is. about her. She is. Um, I mean, in terms of relatable aspects of, like, the NPCs, if this is part of the question, I'm not sure if people want to know about this or not, but, um, something that's helped me a lot in, like, character creation is I find it really important to ground, like, there are so many characters that I'm trying to keep track of, and in order to keep them all, like, sort of distinct, I find it really important to ground each one of them in, like, an element of myself that I know I can always reliably draw from when it comes to time to, like improvise a scene or like figure out how they would react to something because the nature of the game is such that like I don't always have like this is a set objective for Ben or like this is what Riley wants out of this like that's not really how it works it's much more of like a you know my players are throwing curveballs at me all the time I have no idea what's going to happen I have to be like fairly reactive and so I have very intentionally and very specifically like given a lot of these characters like a seed of myself that I I know I can reliably come back to when it comes time to to work from that. Um and you know in a lot of ways just while we're speaking of vulnerability it's a, a lot of why these NPCs are the way they are and a lot of the reasons that they like bring certain things to their relationships with their characters that they do is that sometimes it is like everybody else said it's it's a way for me to carefully explore something of myself that I don't have like necessarily a convenient outlet to do in my own life. So like if there is an element of like uncertainty that I need to explore, or if there's something to this idea of like, you know, I mean, a, a certain part of myself that I, I need room to express that I'm like, this isn't really like a part of my personality or anything like I'm currently dealing with, but like, I think about it a lot and I want somewhere to put it like that goes into the game or because I have control over what the actual like arcs themselves are. I get the chance a lot of times to directly put characters in situations, which I think about. So, you know, if I'm going to create a monster that is, for example, like a weird complicated fungus that preys on people who have depression and makes them like kind of inaccessible to their friends, like then I get to put characters that have an element of myself 
in that position and kind of selfishly manipulate my friends into taking care of them. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, um, everything about this world is relatable to us in some aspect. It just might be like, it it just might be dressed up in a flannel shirt. That's a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Also, it's not selfish to want people to take care of you or extend your We all just want to be seen. Yeah. Which is why we get into this crazy podcasting business in the first place. (laughs) Oh, a business where no one can see us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Truly. Oh, man. There are... We we actually got a new question while I was refreshing this Mm. um, that I really enjoy. So maybe if we can just really quickly do that one and then I know which one I want to wrap up with. I don't want to keep everybody too much longer. It's getting late, but... Really quickly, um, yeah, what monster? Up? What monster would each player like to most or least encounter? And then, what monster would each character like to oh, most gosh. or least encounter? Including, of course, the rest of the parks department <laughs> of the show. Love you all. So, oh. Andrew, Siobhan. Well, I already said zombies. Siobhan does not <laughs> want zombies. What does Siobhan want? Um, probably a really big dog. she probably wants a really really big dog that she can just instead of um you know like going around and fighting and trying to track it and ooh, what does it want he's just kind of lost in the woods and she just she gets a big bone and like tosses it like far (laughs) away so much there's just a big old cliff in the helicopter Oh, ties a bone to the bottom of the helicopter so and the dog good. chases it oh, away from so Tangled. Good. I love that. I want to see ah, Clifford the big red dog that's what Alex just wants show now. up. Uh, what kind of monster would Siobhan least want? What kind of monster would Siobhan least want other than mm-hmm. that spider you already did? <laughs> other than that, yeah. Okay. Why was okay. I the only one that actually liked the spider? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Least like to encounter. Two sharks. <laughs> Two sharks. Crab. Ah, <laughs> uh, Come so, back to me on that. If, okay, if there uh, was a giant then... crab, have you seen the mouth bits? Oh, they're horrifying. Yeah, so if that was blown up into a giant crab mouth, that would... No. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to see them, like, take their, their little mouth thing and like rub their eye clean their eye it's nasty oh it's so bad yeah okay so what does what does martha most want to encounter then uh uh i don't know i i don't know if she's like super knowledgeable about um cryptids and stuff Mm -hmm. or like what's actually out there um i know she's interested in learning more about magic so maybe something to do with that um Mm -hmm. Uh, are there genies? Are there? Uh, I I don't know. Like some type of magical thing. I Tim mentioned uh like a a trickster type thing that I think would be kind of mm-hmm. cool. And if that was like using magic somehow to just mess with people, I don't know. That that could be fun. Um. Yeah, I also don't know if she's like. If there's one in particular that she does not want to face, mm-hmm. I, I I think in a perfect world, she wouldn't want to have to face any of these, but... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's one in particular 
that she wouldn't want to face, or if she has any type of uh, specific fear other than like the PTSD that she's uh, gone through. Mm-hmm. Which is no small thing. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I, I mean, she doesn't have like arachnophobia. Otherwise, she would not have named her son a spider. Right. Um, and like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry for that answer. Why did I go last? <laughs> um, well, here, I, I've got to bring it back with, with the one she would least like. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think it's one that she knows she would least like, but mm-hmm. she would least like to encounter either like an angel or a demon. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is for her above her pay grade. She doesn't like <laughs> she doesn't like thinking about what will happen to her. Yeah. Like if these things are real, yeah. what does that mean for for her? Yeah. Um, yeah, she, really. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I I, I feel like that um, whole whole universal like that's a really great spir- answer. This, any any sort of spiritual based like being. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And that just sparked uh, me realizing what Martha would not want to see the most in the monster, and that's herself. Damn. Oh, All right. Shit. Classic English major answer. Yeah. That. Uh, that's very good. That's very, very good. Yeah. Well, okay then. So um, the last question <laughs> that I found uh, genuinely delightful, and this is from um, Melissa, who is currently on Twitter as your Auntie Whispers, is uh, Auntie Whispers. What is each player's favorite real-world diner, and what, in everyone's opinion, makes a good diner and good diner food? Can I go first? Yeah, go first. Yeah. Uh, my favorite real-world diner is the Chicago Diner. I mm, love the Chicago Diner. So um, specifically the one in Boys Town. Yes. The one in Boys Town is my favorite. Um, <laughs> but since that is also Addison's answer, another diner that I love is um, the... I think it's just called The Diner in State College, Pennsylvania. Um <laughs> It's like downtown State College, amazing grilled stickies. They're phenomenal. But in terms of what makes a good diner and good diner food, good diner food is always at least a little bit greasy, and it's always like really straightforward. Mm-hmm. The second you try to make something fancy, it is no longer good diner food. And that's what's great about the Chicago Diner is it's all like vegetarian or vegan, but it's really simple. It's really straightforward. It's not elevated. It's just like, I want to put so much fake cheese in my face. They get that. They understand me on a formative level. And they hand me all of the carbs I could possibly want. And they're salty and delicious. <laughs> and a good diner has to be open, if not 24 hours, then at least extended hours. Yes. You have to be able to go there at a weird time of night. Um, and the the lighting has to be a little bit weird. And the waiter has to be a little bit sassy. Yes. Getting the job done, I think it gets to the core of what good diner food is. It gets the job done. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all of the coffee. Um, I haven't really, I haven't had a whole lot of diner experiences, but um, uh, Paper Mill was the one that I went to a lot in college. Um, so I guess that would be mine too. <laughs> shout out to paper mill yeah there is uh there is a diner here in winchester which has never been open in the time that we've been here it's a historic diner and it's just been like under renovation for the past like 
30 years, who even knows. And I have wanted since we started this podcast to like break into it and do a photo shoot in there, <laughs> there because it is like a classic historic diner. There's one up here where I am. So you'll have to visit that is like literally the, the silver box um, oh, yeah. with like rounded edges and everything. Um, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, just the, the whole atmosphere of that diner is like mm-hmm. perfect. But uh, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a diner. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But like it's it's not what I want from diner food. It's uh, uh well that's that's yeah, different then. Yeah. Uh Andrew, favorite diner? Um I am gonna also say Chicago Diner. Um yeah. I am uh lactose intolerant, so it's very, very satisfying for me to be able to order anything on the menu and not have Those to worry. Were dope. Not have to worry about um any sort of illness. I love the nachos. I ordered a milkshake every time we went. I got a Reuben. It was fantastic. Mm. I love the Chicago Diner. A Chicago it's Diner fantastic. is doing the Lord's work. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than the Chicago Diner, um, honestly, I don't really have one. There, I, I Paper Mill is fine. It's not one of my favorites. Um, I would probably say the Silver Diner, which is Silver a chain. Silver Diner is good. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that counts. Yeah, but it is really good. And I have such fond memories. Um, I used to go there like all the time when I was in, in first grade. Um, I don't Aww. know why. We lived in Herndon uh, when I was in first grade. And there was one like right down the street. So my f- whole family would just go sometimes. And it was really good. So, um, so that would be my other one. I also have a lot of fond memories from IHOP, which is a strange thing to say. Huh. I get it though. Yeah. yeah. But there have yeah. been many, many a yeah, there have <laughs> been many a late night slash very early morning in IHOP with uh oh, close yeah. friends. So remember the one time we tried to play D and D in an IHOP. Oh my god, there yeah. was nowhere else available. Yeah, that was great. That was great actually. Uh I think we brought a little bit of light into our poor poor server's life well because it was like 1 a.m yeah it was like 1 a.m and again like there's no other space like none of us had our own house where we Mm -hmm. could play D&D in the middle of the night (laughs) and no none of us had the schedule that allowed us to play D&D at any other time so we went to IHOP because we were like where's open that has tables (laughs) where we can all hang out together and won't get kicked out um, and that was the answer. So yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, well, thank you guys for uh, sitting with me and, and talking about this thing that we make for an hour and a half. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I know we didn't get to some of the bigger conversations that we've wanted to have, but I do think that we got to talk a lot about, you know, what we love about the show and, and, and allude to some of the things that um, that bring us a lot of joy about it. And I just wanted to say that, um, you know, we've been making this for more than a year, but I've really, really enjoyed the past year specifically and, yeah. and the journey that we've got to take with this show. And I've really, really enjoyed getting to see so many other people um, fall in love with the things that you guys do and make because I've been falling in love with them for a long time. Oh, Alex. <laughs> you wordsmith. <laughs> I love you. I love, I love you guys. I love y'all. I love you too. <laughs> Right, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get rid of it. Burn the whole podcast down. People can't know. This was the yarn. last episode of a horrible. End. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay. Um. Bye. Yeah. Okay. okay bye. Yeah. Bye.